So hi everyone, I'm here with Paul Rout today, uh, who's the SVP of Consultancy Sales at Wenfresh. Um, Paul, uh, welcome uh, and thank you very much for, for joining me today. Thanks, Chris. So, so, so you guys uh, work in the, in, the, in the data industry and you've got a lot of property data, um, and specifically, I suppose, around things like collections and, uh, and, and, and in, that, in that kind of area, consultancy in that kind of areas. I'm good to get your reflections, I suppose, initially, just around what we've seen over the last year and sort of a few thoughts really around where do, where do you think we go, where do we sit today and where do we go from here? Well, I guess for me, I mean, I've seen an increase in, I guess, um, the need for automation. I think people are looking at different data sources. I think that's yeah. the key thing. You know, I'm from a CRA background and we've sort of done, I'd always say we've done data to death in the collection space. Yeah. Um, so where we've been quite successful is obviously with the property data that you've sort of mentioned in there and really some sort of combining that with the, the CRA piece. But um, I think traditionally the problem with property data, it's very, very difficult to sort of manage on that automation plane. Yeah. Um, that's changed um, over the last couple of years now that access to standard property data around attributes, transactions, and especially the land registry, it's, it's a lot easier to get that sort of data in. Um, we work across sort of the, the contact element of collections and um, the affordability element of collections. I think where it's really hitting home at the moment, and obviously because there's um, an increase in, uh, in debt that's coming, a wave I would imagine, um, we're looking at recoveries and litigation really heavily at the moment. So, so there's been a big move to I suppose digital and sort of like remote access for getting information because you can't do things like um, house visits, site visits, field visits, those kind of um, things. Is that, are they doing it for like pre-valuations, post-valuations? I mean, what, what are some of the use cases? So, yeah, I mean, we, we, pre-purchase on collections especially, we're doing a lot of work on at the moment. So, you know, our data is pretty much in three sort of areas. There's the transactional element, which is people sort of moving, whether it's a sale or a rent, um, mm. obviously sale prices, et cetera, on the back of that. We have an attributional element to it as well, which is property type. The thing that's really sort of surprised me coming out of that is people don't understand um, property types, um, whether it's a business or a residential premises. We've seen this a lot when we've been doing central government work um, mm. in terms of people putting uh, business businesses through in terms of an application for, let's say, a, a benefit. Um, mm. And there's, nobody can actually distinguish whether it's a residential or a business property, which obviously mm. working on fraud around that area. So it's quite a key sort of piece. And I guess the last piece is around the sort of valuation and the legal entity, the property itself. Um, and again, that goes from two stages. Traditionally, that's at the end of the process where people are trying to sort of uh, put charging orders on properties, for example. Um, we've brought that up front so the book can be assessed um, whether there's an opportunity to do that. So that's the sort of real change that sort of happened. I mean, you guys are sort of like specialised in in property data, which is different from um, you know from from consumer data. I mean, how how do you sort of like how is it useful? I mean, because obviously loans, particularly loans in the, in the loan market, are made from a from a personal point of view. I mean, so like yeah. you know, the individuals borrow money rather than properties, but obviously the property data can be useful. I mean, how how do, how do you match those across? How can it be used? I guess I mean it's all rooted in the fact that you're not going to get a loan without being in a property. Yeah. Um, so so again, um, the assessment of that, especially on the securitized loans and that kind of thing, we're looking at the value of the properties and things like that. We also have things like. Um, People assess assessing properties on incompatible lifestyle type pieces as well, where, right. you know, there's an affordability element. You see the credit data, which comes in about how you perform. But also it's it's interesting for businesses to know, you know, how, how valuable is your house? What do we think the mortgage is on it without going to the, the credit data? How long have you had it? It's that kind of thing that, that sort of people are interested in. And it's quite simple to connect those things through. I mean, we use, you know, pretty much the standard thing that everybody else uses, EPRN with PATH, so mm. you can link that across. We deal with pretty much all of the bureaus, so we can key everything up on that and deliver it through their mm. sort of decisioning engines. Um, it's 
pretty easy to do. I think the only complication that, that we've sort of had, but we've resolved is um, the land registry. They do a lot of things oh. with addresses. They're not overly clean, to be fair. Um, they have a title number on there, but we've now also resolved all that through to a ge geography level through OS, which really pass passes through um, to path in the Royal Mail. Yeah, so I, so I suppose it's really, it's really sort of linking property data against the the consumer the consumer data, and then the sort of augmenting almost like the the customer records with with additional data, right? So, Absolutely. I mean, the, you know, the, the 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 key case on that is is in effect. I mean, we we provide valuations to the Bank of England, for example. So we have a series of valuations. We have what we call the EPM, which is the flood sale value, it's the lowest price that property is ever going to go for in ninety days, which maps across to the collection cycle anyway. But the the marriage between the bureau data having a mortgage balance, for example, and us having the valuation enables us to do a really accurate equity piece. I think the the, the thing that's changed that's that was really the basic level in terms of calculating equity. What we're bringing in now as well is, I guess, looking at the land registry in the full title and being able to automate that into a data flow. We can make the assessment of whether it's actually worth doing that charge and looking at any you know covenants restrictions as well as the charge details on that. Mm. So you know whether to execute that that charge in order or not. What about trending in valuations? So so I know you've got things like you've got in. In access to information like council tax, um, expenses, affordability type stuff, as well as like things like changes in valuation or even in changes in things like flood risk. Mm. And that 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 can be quite interesting in terms of like are property valuations changing or are expenses changing? What impact does that then have on the consumer? No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and it's a real time thing. We, we've got access to about 21 million billing points mm. in terms of utility bills and, and some of the things that you've mentioned. Obviously, house prices are, are going up at the moment quite significantly. In some areas, they're not. And um, we can sort of track all that, that thing. We did a piece of work for a water company many years ago, which was looking at, um, it was effectively collectability. Um, and we, we used trending data in, in rentals to see where, you know, the, the sort of key pockets were. And it, it predicted sort of defaults really, really well compared to some of the traditional measures that you'd use from bureau data, for example. So yeah, yeah it, it all sort of makes a difference. I think I, I probably can't stress enough though. I mean, our, our stuff standalone work, works really well. The power comes when you do connect all that data up to yeah. wider data sources as well. Yeah. There's always been a little bit missing, I think, for me, having worked in that data arena. I always put it as a sort of a 360 degree view of a consumer, I guess. We've, we've been very heavy on credit and credit behaviour, but the thing that's been missing has always been assets. And I think it's not just the asset itself and the value of that asset. I think it's the behaviour around that asset as well. So when people mm. are moving, changing, moving up, moving down in terms of um, the properties, it tells you a lot about that individual. And again, you know, everybody's rooted in a property. You can't get any access to pretty much any service or any any financial services, especially without a property. Yeah. So, so I know you do you do move alerts, right, as well. So I know you got access yeah. to properties. So if there's a, been a move, which is kind of it's quite interesting, things like change of tenancy, that those 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 kind of things. And it's almost like, well, how does it? how does how does that then link through to potentially almost like downstream risk that's happening so you're almost like using that it's almost like an early early notification absolutely of, you know, potential for, yeah yeah so so i guess i mean the, the key application we we're doing that for the industry at the moment is utilities so we're, we're we're pushing um the movers mover alert system into into uh, into utilities as an early warning piece up front for billing so that's the first bit it's all around the movers process there's a lot of work across all of the utilities at the moment around that but obviously that has on a knock-on effect if you look at the consumer life cycle as well because if they've got anybody in a pool where there's some arrears or whatever being notified early that there's a potential that they'll either move due to a sale or to a rental really really important and i think 
because the data that we have transactionally on a property, it doesn't rely on the consumer informing anybody. So they don't mm. have to inform a change of address. We see that that property's changed because of a, a legal process, conveyancing, for example, or mm. a landlord's advertising a property um, mm. through one of the portals or one of the other sources of data that we have. So we, it's not executed. It can't be hidden by the individual. The, the, the property tells you a lot about the behavior of, the, of, of, what, and the, of the individual and what's actually going on in their lives. And, and how much of that is, I suppose, is risk uh, and potential risk? I mean, in collections, we talk about risk of default versus potentially, I suppose, risk of poor customer outcomes as well. Because you get, yeah. the, the earlier you get hold of people, the better the customer, the more more chance you have of, of offsetting sort of or avoiding any kind of poor outcome as well. I mean, I mean, is is it is is that part of it too? No, absolutely. I mean, we use it across the piece. I mean, the, the main driver for the movers process within utilities, for example, is customer service, and also there's a little bit of retention on that as well. Because if you're moving within their um, operating area as well, they want to try and retain. The business mm. in many cases yeah mm. um so so we sort of use it for that but as i said it has a sort of a multitude it's multifaceted in terms of the areas that you can sort of use it in um it, it's just a no-brainer really it's a change that's sort of made and it's a change that impacts the business um that you do with the individual so well, what uh, about property data just sort of thinking out loud can any of that stuff be used for things like vulnerability or identify particularly vulnerable areas or vulnerable uh vulnerable kind of situations i'm just 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 or do you think it's, yeah, do you think so, it's purely purely um uh that's much more transactional maybe yes yeah, so, so obviously i mean the, the 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 standard answer to that would be we know where low rental areas are we know that the sort of demographic makeup of those areas as well to a certain extent we we do hold some of the uh some of the demographics from some of some of the suppliers but i think the other thing that we offer offer we've got um access to all the um house and multiple occupancy register in the uk so we know for pretty much 98 percent of all the uh the local authorities in the uk which properties are um hmos um, so that sort of gives you that kind of information that you sort of need. The thing that we do for um, local authorities on HMOs is we identify uh, unlicensed HMOs. So we know that, that properties um, exhibit a certain uh, characteristic which make them sort of a, a HMOs. They have three licensing schemes that have a selective additional and mandatory one in the UK. So we're doing a lot of work at the moment. But again, that has a knock on in terms of um, you know looking at vulnerability and you know, that, that whole sort of social aspect of it as well. So it becomes like another, another risk indicator, almost like you got your dials. Like, this is maybe something that needs to be investigated sort of thing. And I think if you roll that round to, you know, you know the whole collections piece as well, the, the, there's a bit on there about transiency as well. We see high turnover rentals. We see HMOs t don't tend to have the individual and their rooms are rented all the time. They tend to turn over within six months. Mm. So it's that those kind of measures you, you would see potentially from the Bureau, but, you know, we know that there's sort of thin file on the Bureau where you don't get certain people. But I think, again, it's the early warning of that and it's it's it doesn't take that individual to inform about that move the yeah. property tells us everything we need to know yeah it's sort of getting on the front front foot um it based is on based on where where it, where it is we've got so much data now i suppose with with digital i mean there's there's, there's we're awash with data and you know everything's been sort of like centralized with, with the, especially with like you know the cloud and it's all available sort of like um through apis how do we decide where to look i mean it's coming almost like a problem like where to look whereas before it was you know we got this piece of data and it's pretty very logical around what it kind of means so you know people falling in arrears just very very simple i mean we know that that's well maybe someone's got yeah. more making payments but now we've got these multiple multiple pieces of data they all um they all tell us slightly different things and the combination of them all tells us something but how do we get to the combination I mean, how do, what's your advice on how do we get to 
to, I suppose, almost like interpreting it? How do we get to, to our understanding it? I guess, I mean, we're, we've sort of worked um, quite heavily, as I mentioned, through the CRAs, and they do use um, some of the property data quite a bit. It's sort of getting in there. In terms of, I guess, it's educating the market that this data is available. I think that's gonna been one of the big problems is there's mm. two reasons for that. One, they physically don't know that it's there, um, mm. and, and it's understanding how you combine that and how you use it. Or secondly, it's, always, it's, it's been very complicated to get at it. I mean, I, I talked about the land registry before. Um, very, very difficult system to use. You can do ownership checks, but if you want the title deed, you've got to pull down the PDF. You've got to go through that manually. I think that they're the changes. It's making those things digitized a lot more so you can mm. use it you know, within a, um, a decision engine. You can distribute it in the right way, and then you can actually use it as part of an analytics suite to be able to do that analysis and look at the interactions mm. with the data. I think that's the step that's sort of been made now. It's, it's, it's making it more standardized with the data sets yeah. that are out there, and it allows you to interpret it in a better way. Yeah. So it's almost like it's the data cleansing. So you, you've done the data cleansing. So now it could be sort of machine readable. It can be then interpreted um, yeah. to be able to then make that make those linkages. I think a good, a good example of that, Chris, is, you know, we've been doing some work for a um, debt purchaser at the moment, and they focus on commercial debt more, rather than, than consumer. But one of the things that they were interested in, they couldn't get hold of, um, they've got sizable portfolios coming in, but there's covenants and restricted covenants on, on, on the property, which don't appear typically within the charge. Um, element of that that piece. So what we've we've been able to do is we've been able to extract all that textual field and bring out the key things like who the proprietor is, who the charge is with, whether it's a county court judgment, which sometimes doesn't even appear in the in the charging sort of piece. And we, we've we've managed to put that into a data set. And right. what they're able to do now is rather than having to scan all of these title deeds, it's all there. They can put the rules engine on top of it and it tells them what they want to collect against. Yeah, simple as that. Much, much quicker decisions. Yeah, Ab absolutely. Yeah, and it, it, it's it's the access has always been the problem, and I think that's that's what we've solved um, as a business over the last couple of years. So open finance is is sort of is coming round, and it sort of went quiet for a while, but now it seems like it's coming back on the radar screen again. I mean, you know, how do you think that's going to link? Is that going to give us new capabilities? Do you think in terms of we obviously got uh, open banking that's there, which is much more sort yeah. of transactional. I mean, ultimately, open finance is going to go into the insurance market as well, which was, you know, some of the stuff that, you know, links links with you guys as well yeah. and some of, some, of, some, of, some of the clients there. I mean, do you think it's going to have an, an impact? Can you see opportunities there too? No, again, I think I'll go back to my, you know, 360 degree view, the wheel of the customer at the end of the day, very heavy on. I mean, it, it's it's the, the holy trinity really, isn't it? It's about exposure. It's about your income. And I think assets is a key part of that as well. One of your biggest assets is the property. I think that is a really important part of how you evaluate the consumer mm. and I think it has the ability to sort of impact and change product development and proposition development in terms of the the, the organizations that are out there in all markets at the moment because there, there's another aspect which they didn't know about that consumer mm. I mean I mean when you look at the data and the data keeps on building I mean how how much do you think we're I mean are we done I mean do you think there's going to be more more we can get is there more property data that we can get that could that could, that could add even more insight uh, well there is so that thing where do you sit where do you sit now yeah, one of the big areas for us at the moment is around climate change. So we talk about the value of the assets at the moment. There's um, something called RPC 2.6, which is uh, it's a modelling standard in terms of 50 year window in terms of what's happening in terms of the UK. Mm. So we think about assets at the moment as we move through that those those periods, I think it's chunked up into five years periods over that time. The value of that asset can completely change. Mm. Um, based on the fact that you've got shrinks well in, in in land, it can affect subsidence on properties, et cetera, et cetera. Flood, flooding. So that's so that's that's where we're going with that. So 
Um, it's the PRA have put something out. It's one of the things that needs to be assessed now in terms of insurers, but also mortgage lenders as well. Um, mm -hmm. So that's really key. And I think that has a knock-on effect to anything that's going on in the collections market because is what you're charging against of any value. And that's the key point. We've done another piece of work recently on obviously the Grenfell piece with cladding. Um, mm. There was a, a ruling came out. I think if a property is over 18 metres, and we can identify cladding from satellite imagery and that kind of thing. So what the pieces of work that we've done is looked at the portfolios of a, of a couple of financial institutions to assess how many properties fall into that category. And obviously for them, there's a value at risk of those properties as well. So we're moving more in that direction is it's connecting the sort of physical attributes of the of the property up and looking at the impacts through that property chain really. Is it going to affect its transactional capability and is it going to affect its value at the end of the day ultimately? And again, all those key points are embedded within you know, the collection services that we use, the insurance services that we use, the full sort of gamut of, of yeah. data. And how quickly do you think those things are going to change? For example, climate risk change. I mean, is it, um, you know, is it going to be, I mean, we've seen, I suppose, even just through the pandemic, just like how quickly society can change in some ways. And like we're doing things digitally, you know, I mean, the, the even changes like valuations because the demand has changed between, say, London yeah. and, you know, the regions, those kind of things. I mean, what, what's, what's, what, do, you, do you have any view on how quickly these things could change or how often, it needs to be updated. Yeah, I mean, these these things are updated, uh, you know, regularly. We're getting data in on a daily basis on, on things like climate change. It, it, it's important. It's on our doorstep now. And I think, it, again, it's it's that sort of realisation that it's sort of there. I mean, one one of the uh, the lenders that we, we, we do this work with as well, they look at it from a very different point of view. Um, so it's not necessarily about um, there's a risk to the property, although that's very important. It's about how they can... Um, uh, help the customer. I mean, it's a very simple thing which surprised me. I went to a, a, a conference on this not long ago. One of the, if you've got a flood risk on your property, you know, you obviously risk the value in it. It may not become uninsurable. One of the one of the key things that you can do is build a thirty centimeter doorstep on your front door because it'll it'll stop seventy percent of all the water ingress. Mm. So it's, it, then they're looking to do, you know, further lending, sort of you know, help them do the remediation to put the value back in their property. So it's the full range of stuff. It's assessing the risk, but it's also helping consumers um, to sort of, uh, you That's know, yeah. meet the risk. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like, so, so, so as much as it is around, it's it's the loan that's made. It's also then, well, then how can you then also provide the, the better customer journey up front to then help them mitigate some of that stuff again so it doesn't become a problem, right? Because Absolutely. you'd rather, rather not pay out uh, for flood damage uh, altogether. You'd rather have them actually protecting some of it. Yeah, and I think, I mean, the other thing as well, Chris, to consider is that, you know, if, if there is a, some kind of catastrophic event that you do have a flood in your house, it's going to impact you financially as well. I mean, it, we do the whole piece around this, the residential element, but we also look at the um, vulnerability of, of, of commercial premises as well, down to the sort of typology of the business that they do and how it would be impacted by that, that flood piece as well. So that has a knock-on effect for employment, the infrastructure, whether electricity is being supplied, that whole sort of piece. So it's really important. I think it's one of these big changes which you don't really consider the impact which it has. It's very much like the pandemic. Look yeah. how that's changed everybody's lives, how it's impacted business. If we start having major catastrophic events, it impacts everything in every industry, from people's ability to work to their the physical assets and the property and the, 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 the financial impact that it has on them. And also, you know, emotional and, 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 and social impacts over yeah. that piece. You'll be able to measure from your property data about how many how many buildings have windows that open versus versus ventilation systems. It's very it's very interesting some of the some of the data that you can get out. I mean, the satellites whizzing over us all of the time. There's lidar; they're picking up pretty much everything. I, I'm really surprised. I mean, just a simple thing. I, I know 
European Space Agency, we 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 work with um, uh, Airbus, all the, the usual guys. They can they can look at they look at roof lines for subsidence, and they, if they know it, it the roof line moves over a period of time by more than sort of ten mils, I think it is. They know there's there's either something going on in terms of construction into inside the house, or there's a problem with subsidence. So they can actually measure that difference in terms of your roof line. It's yeah. amazing stuff. I remember we were chatting in a previous conversation a little bit about uh, shading, shading between buildings, which was I thought was quite interesting in terms of like just getting down to that level of detail and almost to be able to use it to almost like reconstruct, well, almost like models in 3D. Uh, it's the geospatial stuff, right? It's, it's fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of the other things that ourselves and obviously our, our, our main investor CLS risk solutions sort of do as well I mean the mapping stuff's really interesting I'm, I've been involved in analytics and marketing analytics and credit risk for a long long time and we used to use mapping quite a lot in marketing um, it's interesting from a strategic point of view just plotting some of these things on as well so as you mentioned before sort of you know and areas of risk in terms of um, you know flooding environmental risk versus you know social deprivation and that kind of thing and where they sort of overlap just looking at areas in the country that you you, you know that need attention we've done we were looking at some work for for, for a, a government agency around you know where to invest in terms of you know planning and homes and that kind of thing and, and, and all these things come into account you layer all that data on and again we're back to the point where if we have more detail data about how people are operating in those areas we're back to the bureaus again it just creates a wealth of data which enables people to make better decisions i think it's quite interesting in terms of income shocks as well so you, you mentioned around income shocks and being able to predict some of that so i, I was before this I, I got lost i was looking up i know you have data on um, invasive species it was japanese knotweed i think it was uh, it is yes i was, yes, look, I was looking up and you got your data, data on that and I got lost into invasive species and maps in the UK on, on those kind of things. But it is an income shock. Again, it's just like flooding, isn't it? Absolutely. And all of this. And what's and what's 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 the what's the likelihood of people having income shocks, which then could follow on to the collections process in a particular area or in a particular property as a result of that. Uh, and I think that's quite an interesting way of looking at particularly in terms of, you know, uh, you know, portfolio evaluations, yeah. uh, even collections processes, I'd imagine. I guess as well, yeah, because I think for me that that whole profile of, of, of people within that collection cycle, it has the ability to completely change that. I mean, you're going to have people who are going to have pretty much high exposure on properties. You've got a half a million pound property with a £300,000 mortgage on it. All of a sudden, that property is only worth 200000 it's a big problem. You may be mm. earning a decent salary or whatever, but that is a huge income shock for people. And, and then it could have a detrimental effect through cascading through the whole financial uh, financial behaviours. Do, do you remember the, um, well, I'm old enough to remember the, the 80s and 90s when we used to have negative equity. We haven't, haven't, haven't used that word for a long time. Right. I mean, because you could you could actually use it to identify that, right? So in, the, in terms of that, and, and particularly if we're in a, a house price correction, do you think we're going to see that again? With um, potentially with COVID, or do, or do you think we're on a? I suppose it depends what happens economically. It does, yes. And I think, true to say, Chris, if I knew what was going to happen, I probably wouldn't be doing this job. I'd be out doing probably investment. To be fair, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I mean, it's a, it's a difficult thing to predict going forward. I think we 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 do it on a, a shorter cycle. You know what you know. You know what's sort of happening. I think more key to this, th as I mentioned, this thing can be thrown on its head all the time. Pricing is a demand piece at the moment. That demand can change from completely different Very quickly, yeah. inputs. Yeah, which which we're we're trying to sort of trap because that's going to be the importance of it. It's about how habitable how 
how stable is is the environment or whatever. We know that the northwest, for example, is is one of the highest areas of climate risk change. Um, mm. Wetland at the moment likely to dry out because of temperature increase, which drives all the climate anyway. So there's going to be some issues there. I mean, you've got salt mining up there, you've got the whole range of different things. So um, mm. you know those are the things that you need to keep an eye on. If you correct those things now, that you stabilize the whole piece and you maintain the value, you maintain the risk um, for, your, for, for your own business, but also the individual's risk. And so how do you get clients to sort of think a little bit ahead around, because because we're very good at sort of dealing with, with risks when they hit us today and we sort of see the impact. Some of the stuff that, that we're talking about is almost like future risks and you know and we want to try and head that risk off now mm. and, and that could be difficult just as human beings we seem to have difficulty and we all know that from you know dealing with collections right yeah um, I, mean, I mean what's what's what are some of your tips into like how do you get people to see some of that how do you work through some of that and um you know start start to get people planning for it um well i think i think there's there's two two sides to this i think the first one is the regulators are doing a good job at the moment but specifically around certain products we know it's around insurance we know it's around sort of mortgage lending i think what we've been trying to do is it's the awareness of the property information right it's getting into the cycles around collections it's saying look what we have at the moment as is is you know the transactional the attributional piece i think as that's embedded in people to use it it's again it's that hunger for data what's going to sort of destabilize that it, it, you know it, it's how long are you looking to collect over this individual how long are you can have them on the books for because we're mm. going to tell you that maybe in 15 years time and something's not done you've still got them on your books yeah that the value of that property has gone the assets gone so yeah. your charge is worth nothing yeah yeah so so it's those type of things i think it's gradually moving into it it's it's a it's a difficult conversation to have around climate change with a collections organization at the moment unless you're lending on a property so mortgage, yeah. mortgage is great but i think that will come in future i think it's embedding the importance of the property within these processes and within these sort of disciplines and then it's exposing you know the stability of, of, mm. of those those data assets looking into the future i suppose where, where do we go from here in terms of extra data other techniques uh those kind of things. I mean, what what do you see as sort of being the next sort of like you know five five ten years? I mean, we're getting ever more data every day. Where, but where, where what what else is there to do? Where do, where do we go? Um, again, I think I mean the important thing for me is trying to combine these data assets. That's the first step. So I think it, it'll give you more power and insight if you 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 create that wheel of that three hundred and sixty degree view. I think the next stage of that, as I've sort of alluded to, is that we're we're looking at commercial data, commercial businesses, and the risk that's associated with those. I think the key thing is to create that link between the consumer and their their income stability. Yeah, it's great seeing open banking and what you're getting in month on month. But if we know that a business is at risk because of an event or, or something like that it's translating that across i think that's a key step if the data comes around that which i'm sure it will um i think that's a really key step in terms of uh, bringing those things together um you, you know otherwise i think it's it, it's just around exposing these assets and putting it into an environment where it can be used through the sort of traditional decision and meetings and whatever it's consideration around data i think it's it's getting organizations to consider the wider picture rather than the traditional roots of data that they already have yeah, I love the idea of using the data to then be proactive to then prevent loss, right? Which is which is very much rhymes with some of the stuff we've seen in collections around pre-collections, pre-arrears, you know, earlier conversations yeah. to help like downstream. And, that, and I think that's that's a really interesting sort of sort of aspect to it. I think it sort of naturally gravitates to it. I think it's my I guess back to it's my mantra really around this piece that you you can't do anything without property. 
you can't get yeah. access to anything you won't have any services utilities coming in you're not going to get a loan if you're not resident somewhere so for me i mean in a lot of a lot of circumstances you look at it from a, a, a consumer and a business perspective it's important piece that you've got to you've got to have somewhere that you've got an address on and yeah. so make sure that address is right first then look at the individual yeah, yeah. Well, we all live somewhere Exactly, uh, we all have to, yeah. Yeah, 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 the property. Well, uh, Paul, thanks very much for making the time. I, I really, really appreciate it. And uh, it's a fascinating topic. I mean, the whole fast topic around data and the amount of data that's available today and being able to predict it is, um, use it for predictive and sort of um, prevention type reasons is just fascinating. So uh, appreciate your time and uh, thanks very much. It's a pleasure. Thanks very much.